Hello and welcome back to another episode of Supercoach Insider. My name is Ben. And I'm Swizz. And thank you for joining us for the Brisbane Lions Team Analysis Podcast. We're going to go through all the draft relevance, standard relevance, and like we like to do every year, go through and pick apart the team and give you our opinions. Um, Swizz, thank you for joining us, mate. Chris, I believe, will probably be on the next couple hanging out for the Carlton Collingwood Podcast, but thank you for joining us again, Swizz. Nice to see your shirt this time, Tiger Army. <laughs> Yeah, now I thought I'd get in the spirit, footy spirit of things. So, yep, big big podcast the, uh, with the uh, other big cat, mate. And it's my favourite time of the year, my favourite segment. The Lions having a drink of the little creatures today because when I talk about the Lions, that's exactly what I get in my pants, some little creatures. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited. Oh, so I could imagine. before we go on, though, SC Insider 100, Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, um, all of those platforms as well. Supercoach Insider, look for us on the YouTube as well. And we're going to talk about the Brisbane Lions today. So again, our format is we're going to look at top 10 potential, those on the rise, whether that's their average or their dollars that they're going to make, draft sleepers, so to help you in the draft leagues on who to look for, the burn man. And sometimes it's harder than it looks in other clubs. There's plenty of them, Aaron Hall, and rookies as well <laughs> and touching on those that we can kind of keep an eye on. All right, Swiss. So the Lions, look at the – they finished pretty well last year. I think the Hawks gave us a nice little touch-up in round one or whatever it was. And, um, uh, yeah, so they finished the, really well. Was it the Swans? The Swans gave you a touch-up round one. And then, uh, yeah, you're, still, well, you're one and three, but then recovered. It got on a, uh, I think, an eight-game winning streak and finished the season really strong. Fifteen wins, I think, overall. It's uh, yeah, really nice. Solid, so. Move that mic closer, my man, Swizzy. And um, yeah, no, I think they're really good. I think they're probably one of the bigger ex- excitement teams as well. I think they've had disappointment the last couple of years. So hopefully, you would think. I don't know why I can't you think, well, I'm hoping that they've learned from those lessons and are going to bring that winning spirit to Brisbane Town. And everyone, I think, except for the Bombs Express, would agree that the Lions are on route to some lovely success this year, Swizz. Well, you're hoping to prove uh, the Bombs wrong, but you guys were really good. Unlucky in that final against the Bulldogs, where it was at one point in the end, so it could have gone either way, and so the Doggies went oh. on to make the grand final. So... Well, that that close. Some say you absolute, blew it the year before, but absolute heartbreak sitting there for that game. It was just oh, the the roller coaster of emotions. I can't even describe. I just cannot cannot fathom. So, all right, let's go into the top ten potential and have a look because the Lions do have a lot of relevant players for standard and for draft leagues. Starting off number one on the list, it's. One of my very favorites. We're going to talk about Lockie Neal, first of all. And he is definitely top 10 potential. He is probably one of the most relevant players this season. And I just want to give you a little bit of a recap here. So he's 543k midfielder. He is 100% should be a lock in every situation possible, every league of fantasy that you are playing. And not only still, even in draft leagues, I think he's one that's definitely going to be going sooner rather than later. Uh, I can't see him going much past the first one and a half rounds at all because anyone that has a C locked in, if he's there for a VC, 100%. The first person to get a VC option, if Neil's on the board, they should be taking that hands down. Um, so let's have a little bit of a recap here. 2020, all right? So last year, it wasn't his best year. He came in, had, uh, was it calf issues, wasn't running very well, then had a bad run. Like, was it syndesmosis, um, back issues, like you name it. He pretty much... The good news is he had all of his injuries in one lovely wrapped-up year. Before last year, though, he played 126 out of 127 games over six seasons at an average of 115.5. He also had a 59-game average of 122.5. He was 28 now. Okay, He only had three scores under 100 that year. He averaged 146 in the first 12 rounds. He averaged 111 from round 13 to 18 and he also had 12 scores of 130 or more 
including four scores over 150, one, two scores over 160, and a score over 170. He is an absolute freak, and when you look at the price you get, it's very easy to use recency bias to you know, get turned off from these kind of people, but when you look at the quality of player in front of you, he's still young enough you know, and able to get into his peak. The rumours are that he is fit and hungry, and that's from um, Whiting, the journalist. Um, been following some of those news and the, and the Michael Whiting, I think his name is, unless I'm saying his last name wrong. Yeah. Um, so I usually follow a lot of his stuff there. So apparently he looks fit, he looks hungry, and I'm extremely keen to see what he can deliver this year. It's as simple as that, Swizz. You just have to, to lock him in. Like I'm not being completely um, – I'm biased, but am I completely biased? Mate, there's 30,000 people have started Supercoach so far this season, and, that, and so far only 50% have put him in, his, in their team. I don't know what the other fifty percent are doing. Don't care how much you got burnt by him last year. This guy is an absolute lock. He's a VC. He's a captain option, as you said. Outside of last year, doesn't miss games. He's the number one guy in that Brisbane midfield, and in some matches, he's just untaggable. So, you know, I'm more than happy if my opponents want to play play me against him and uh, let him go one fifty, one sixty. Why they don't score, or why they don't have him. So. Yeah, no, mate, everything you've said, this guy is just lock him in. Yep, I agree. Um, let's just add to that. From 2019 to 2020, he scored 110 or more from 69% of his games. He also scored 140 from 43.5% of those games, which means that he is a very good VC option in draft as well as standard. Um, I just think you, it's someone that a lot of the people will be on. And if he goes big, you're going to be hurt more by not starting him. Well, it's not even it's not the price difference goes, too. It's or not when. if he goes big, big Ben. His favourite three teams to play against are Essendon, Port Adelaide, and North. And the first three teams Brisbane play are Port, Essendon, and North. So oh, his last <laughs> his so last good. two his last two games against Port are one thirty or one seventy seven. His last three games against Essendon are 157, 157, and 140. And his last three games against North are 156, 134, and 140. Right, VC near the first three rounds. There you go, yeah, Captain it's, Swizz. It's just lock it in. You know the Lions are going to win at least one of them, probably two of them. They love getting the, the percent, percentage of the uh, of the pie, as we say, um, because when they win, they, get, uh, they average about 1750. Supercoach points in those wins. So, you know, you've got about a nearly a 90-point average over their whole team, and Neil gets a large chunk of them when Brisbane wins. So it's just it's a no-brainer, 543, put it in. Simple. No, I like it. All righty, let's go next to the list, and I think it's pretty easy to – there's quite a few of these Lions premiums here, but we've got, it'd be hard to ignore Jared Lyons. Now – I know a lot of people that are overlooking Jared Lyons and, oh, he's very expensive. He's 640k mid, so he is definitely on that high-end sort of price of things. You look at your, your Sam Walsh's and a few of those others, your Zach Merritt's, your Parrish's, probably cheaper than that. Um, he is definitely pricey, and I can understand people picking Lockie Neal. So for that in mind, if I'm having Neal, I'm probably not picking Lyons because you don't want too many premiums from the same side particularly with COVID and all the rest of it, on top of all the other issues you're going to have with having a stacked side. Um, but look, he's played 61 out of his last 61 games for the Lions, and he's averaged 115.3 from his last 51 games. So for the last two and a half seasons, he's pretty much been dominating. Uh, he had 12 120-plus scores this year, or 2021, should I say, including two 130s, two 140s, and a 150. Uh, I think he's an exceptional player. I think he's someone that you should be able to get into draft league, not as your captain probably, but as a VC. I wouldn't mind that because he is very consistent. I can't see him his role really changing for at least another year. He he's doing so well that it's kind of up to you know, your berries and your McCluggages to knock him off. That's how I see it because he's dominating it, he's killing it, and if McCluggage absolutely went in beast mode then they might be able to knock him off that spot and force Lions to go play that sort of mid-forward sort of role. But he, the team's doing well with Lions in there. He, he seems to be killing the clearances and the contested ball, and he just likes to put big hits on uh, certain people. And, yeah, I think run with it, Swizz. Yeah, and every time he plays Richmond, he always seems to bob up for a goal 
Um, so it, and it never seems to be anyone on him because, you know, the attention goes to the, the line breakers and the cluggage or even the Zach Bailey, they make sure they're manned up. Uh, you know, people try to tag Neil unsuccessfully, but, yeah, Lyon just seems to run around and do, do his own thing. Great M2 if you snag him there in, in draft. Super coach standard. It's a case that, like last year, those who jumped on him when Neil got injured, fantastic. And same again, if Neil or McCluggage were to go down, yep, go out, go get Jared Lyons, bring him straight in um, because he's going to be the number one in that engine room and he, and he, you know, he relishes that role as well. So, you know, it doesn't worry him. And it's, um, at the moment, I wouldn't be starting him because there's better options, but definitely someone that tracks, especially if he does um, drop in price. So he has a couple, say, lower games, um, just because there's other midfielders in there, or if they, you know, decide to rotate through those um, Brisbane's early games where they have, you know, uh, North Melbourne. I think they play the Suns in round five. You've got the Pies early on as well. So, yeah, if they do put a few of the other boys in there, and he, you know, might play a little bit more up forward or do that, if he can drop under, you know, if he can get to 550, 540. Yeah, he'd be perfect to bring in as one of those upgrade guys because, as Ben said, he's really consistent. I'd be happy to have him on my side at the right price. Yeah, but playing against those uh, first few teams, it's going to be hard, I guess, for that to happen, you would think. so. You're just hoping um, for him to be rotated out. That's the only thing. And that if not, yeah, it could could work the reverse. And those uh, 2%, I think, that are on him at the moment could uh, get a massive uh, payday there and um, move up the rankings with him in your team. All right, let's go to the next one. Daniel Rich, 582,000 defender. Um, had a very, very, very good year. So is pretty much chipping away from that 90 towards 100 average uh, on and off for the last sort of few years. Came out really well. Averaged 113 for the last seven rounds. Only went below 89 twice for the season with a 72 and a 65 1300s, 5120s, 2130s. Um, Daniel Rich had an absolutely outstanding year. And now when you think, okay, well, Birchall's gone, realistically, all the ball coming out of defense is going through Daniel Rich. Possibly now Dane Zorko that he's there. Um, possibly moving, sorry, should I say, to defense in the halfback flank. There's also Coleman, I think, Coleman Senior playing some possible halfback flank. But when you have such a penetrating foot like Rich, it's, it's no wonder they use him as much as they can. And for that, I think he's a very good option. Uh, I wouldn't mind him in my draft leagues, even as a D1. If you miss out on a couple of those other key players, you know you could do a lot worse than having a Rich in your D1 or D2 spot. Uh, and the benefit as well is, is that Rich has already had COVID. So it's I know you can have things multiple times. Maybe you can have Omicron and then have some of Omicron, but... Generally, I think if you had Delta, you can get Omicron, but I have yet to see the research because it's fairly recent as far as getting Omicron multiple times in a short period of time. So you would think that realistically he might not get it again in the near future, which would be the season length. So um, again, all speculative, and it's just one extra element to look at. I think last year I looked at, oh, who's been knocked out before? Because if you've been knocked out, you're more likely to get concussed again, which is... Yeah, it's silly, but you look at these little tiny things, and if you can get someone that's already had COVID, then maybe you will be less likely to miss them. Whether it works out or not, I don't know, but it's one little theory to add to a whole pile of things, Swizz. Yeah, it's a really tough one because I was sort of off him last year because of his age, and obviously he's a year older, but why would anything change at Brisbane? Like, um, outs, I feel like you guys are just playing to make finals again and then you know trying to just find that extra couple of points to get you over the uh, over that game so you can make into the prelim and grand final. It's, a, it's one of those weird feelings like they everything that they've done and that Fagan doesn't need to, you know, it's just finding little improvements. Now that might be Zorko going back just to give a little bit of support. But Rich is so damaging with his foot coming out of the half-back line. Uh, they like getting the ball, especially Harris Andrews, intercept mark, look for Rich, hit up McCluggage or hit up a Neil down, you know, in the middle of the ground. So, or get within well, 70 metres from goal and go, oh, look, Daniel Rich. Yeah, and, and it's, for, for us, that's what Jaden Short does. And Short, Brisbane, yeah. Brisbane do the exact same thing. It's because we know Rich anywhere inside 60. Or he, and he's, well, he's one of those 70 metre players. Like you make, take him up, run your 15, and he can kick at 55, 60. Um, and so he's very damaging in that zone where, especially if the opposition have zoned back. So, 
yeah, there's I, I don't can't see him scoring what he did last year, but the drop off might only be five points. So he could be a good upgrade target um, if you wanted to see what your other defenders were doing. And, you know, but I've got no issue with people wanting to start him because yeah, I don't have an issue either. Change. I just don't yeah. have the money or space for it. I think yeah, again, the ones that I'm looking to start in my side again. You're looking for people with probably some upside or a little bit more assurances um, in that line. So for me, I like Rich, but again, he's probably more of an upgrade target for me, and he's someone that, yeah, if I miss out on those first handful of defenders, then maybe as I come back through in the second or third round, you'll be able to get him. So up in here in Queensland, Daniel Rich will probably go a little bit sooner. If you're in Victoria or somewhere else in the in the country, you could probably even get Daniel Rich quite a few rounds in um, and have him as your first or second defender wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Yeah, we've got a guy, Keezy, he's a Brisbane, mad Brisbane supporter in our group. So, yeah, we there's no um, letting Brisbane Lions slip through um, for value in our draft league. But, yeah, definitely if you're playing in a Victorian or South Australian WA one, or maybe not WA because I think Rich originally from there, but, yeah, those, uh, those other states, the... You know, you can get real value with these sort of interstate players that people aren't focusing on because he is around that same average as Stuart Hall, Lloyd, which everyone will be targeting. And then all of a sudden people are like, oh, well, I've missed them. Might go a midfielder or I've already got Neil or I've already got a Lions. Do I really want two Brisbane players, as you said, with the COVID situation? And that's even the people's thoughts and standard. Like, okay, I'm trying to, you know, split, spread my... Uh, spread the players from different teams in my squad so people aren't naturally thinking about Rich. And, yeah, you could be able to pick him up and it's a bit of a uh, value pick. See, I love getting hyped players that some is from someone's team that they really like. Do you know what I mean? Because then that way it's like, oh, perfect uh, trade value right here. You know the team that they go for. You hear someone that's hyped up and, and you know, people that they want to jump on. And um, using that as trade bait, always, always nice if you don't have to jump too early yourself. That's a little side draft tip for those who are listening who like playing their draft. Uh, Very important. Suss out who everybody goes for in your draft league. Did that to Chris last year, actually. We had, uh, I think the choice, I think Dan Houston was there, which I I thought at the time I probably should have got. And I went with uh, Dawson from Sydney, knowing that Chris was eyeing him off. (laughs) And uh, he was livid because I picked his pocket a couple rounds early in draft this year. And uh, paid the pudding there, Chris, because I won again in the 12-man league. So, all right, let's move on to the next one. The Big O, 509K Ruck. Um, I like the Big O. He's from Brisbane, but I don't know why anyone's thinking of starting him in fantasy football super coach. Uh, look, I get it. He had a, a good little run of games. But, Swizz, tell them what's, what's part of the problem here with uh, the Big O for standard. Well, I was actually shocked to find out he was 27 years old. Uh I followed him really closely last year because I had him in my draft leagues, my Ruckman. So um, he, yeah, he was fantastic. He, he's second half of the year. Some of his scores, uh, 110, 114, 106, 148, 113, 120, 131, 96, like just blew it out the water. Uh, so, yeah, fantastic. The issue becomes, yeah, that sort of I worry a little bit about that age. And we know Ruckman sort of come in their prime and that, but, um, yeah, just I've, the way he's sort of been in the system and and played, he's had a long time where he hasn't really scored that well, and I, I thought it was a bit of a purple patch. And some will argue, well, Neil's coming back, so he's got more points to hit down, but I don't think actually those hit out at the vantages changed because he was hitting the same down to Lions. I just think Neil takes more of the percentage of that pie off him um, where... Yeah, McInerney was probably getting some more of those points and some more of those tackles and stoppages and stuff like that. So I, I just can't see him going on a run like that again. But in saying that, I've seen him pop up in a few people's sides who think, yeah, that's just the, that's the start and he can continue on. But, yeah, I'm a bit worried about that. Yeah, well, I mean, it was um, 115 average over, what is it, eight, nine rounds, eight rounds, 115 for eight rounds to finish the year. So... I get it, but again, 115 over eight rounds isn't really going to be top sort of two or three material for the Rucks, in my opinion. Yeah, so I think there's you, you get better options. With, you also get stuck there. Like, he's, yeah, as you said, he's not going to be a top three Ruck. Darcy, Gorn, Grundy, you can sort of bank more on that. 
or you're trying to go on that little bit of value where they're going to make money in sort of your weeks or your price section. But yeah, I, I just find he's going to be stuck in the middle. You might get a top five or six rough. He's not going to challenge the big boys. And then you've got to look deeper. Some of those scores that he did score, you know, he played the Gold Coast went through the roof, but he played against Burgess that day. That's not going to happen every week. You know, the Suns should have wits back. Uh, I think he had uh, Geelong. I forget who they were rocking that day, but it might have. I think Stanley might have actually even been out that match. Um, so there's a couple of those scores in there if you actually have a look at his opponents. Um, yeah, a bit like uh, Darcy had in a couple of those games too. Like they're, they're up against weaker Ruckman and it sort of inflates what their average, average should have been. Yeah, for me, I think even I'd rather probably Jared Witts at a price point, to be honest. Um, always chipped her away at that sort of low 100 average. So. I get it, but for me, uh, even in draft leagues, I'd let someone else take the risk, and I'm a, a Lions person. So, like, rucks, if you miss out on those first handful of rucks, I wouldn't be jumping to bring in the big O over. I'd rather be bringing in, like, a, a quality forward or a quality defender, knowing that there is some actual depth in the ruck line, particularly if you're only playing one ruck. It's it's a lot easier that way. There's definitely value there. You don't have to jump super early. If you miss out on the hand, the top handful, so what are we talking, like, Gorn, um, Grundy, Darcy, Darcy. Um, Goldie still, I guess, very serviceable. Nick Nat, Rolio. Nick Nat, and that, probably even those four. And then after that, I'd probably, yeah, Rolio like, makes sense. But then Rolio, um, the big O, like, so Rob, the big O, those kind of people can generally wait. It's not imperative that you jump early because you still think about the talent on offer at that point in time is still high. And I think yeah, we've said that right. approach most years in our draft feedback. And that's why, like, I took him last year because I got Luke Jackson in my keeper league. So I wanted a ruckman who's going to be around for two or three years while Jackson develops and pick Big O up really late. So Who knew you only needed someone for a year, Swiss? <laughs> that's right, yeah, yeah needed him for a year or two and it paid off. Yep. And, even, and I think because of his really good year, I think a few will jump on him earlier than what they should. Um, and we've said it before, if you're in a 10 or a 12-person um, draft league, there's so many rucks to choose from. You can literally just wait, you know, round 16, round 17 and pick one of them up then. And I've seen people jumping early already for Big O in, in standard and I just I just can't see it. But, um, yep. look, that's that one there. Let's let's move on now. Let's go to On The Rise. Um, we'll start with the probably breakout contender for me, On The Rise. I think his average is going up. It could be wishful thinking, but a humor cluggage for me, 544K mid, there is – Reason to believe that at some point he is a quality player. He is going to go up in average. Um, will it be enough to be a top 10? No, I don't think so at this point in time, but it could be at some stage. He's definitely capable of averaging your 110 plus. He could average 115 plus, obviously, if things go his way. But the issue is is still roll at the moment. Um, I think you'll get a bit more inside and outside time and split between the two because you have, you know, Berry and a few other things going as well inside, outside. Um, so for me, I just think McCluggage has developed every single year, and he shows these glimpses where he averages and goes on absolute heaters and averages you 120, and then all of a sudden goes through the, the bit of the lull phase. Um, but he's super classy, hits the scoreboard, good inside and out. So for me, I think on the rise, Hugh McCluggage, I'm not game to start him. He's the same price as Neil. So in standard, you kind of, I think it'd be silly to pick McCluggage instead of Lockie Neal. Only way it happens is if you pick them both, Swizz. Yeah, you need an injury to Neal or Lions. If one of them went down pre-season, yeah, jump on McCluggage because we saw what happened last year, um, especially with that Lions draw. In draft, happy to get him at M3. Um, Keeper League, definitely go all out for this guy. I traded Jack Lloyd last year in part of a deal with Chris to get McCluggage because I rate him so highly. So Yeah, and um, you won't give me him. Yeah, and no, I won't give him to you. Uh, it's just uh, like I see the midfield moves going to come, the permanent midfield moves going to come sooner rather than later. Um, so I'm happy for him just to continue to increase that average by, say, five points a year. And, yeah, we'll be talking about him probably in two seasons' time as Brisbane's number one midfielder. But, yeah, so try to target him in the keeper. You might get him a little bit cheaper than, depending on who's got yeah, him. Yeah, this is... This is probably the last year you'll be able to get him in a keeper, to be honest, yeah. if, you, if you're in one. Um, yeah, because I think he'll only improve sort of from here. And for me, it's 
I'm not really trying to pick, it, pick these breakout players this year because there's so much quality on the high end of things. There's quite a few bargain options in the 200,000 kind of players and rookies. So I think it's not quite the year to be picking these speculative breakouts and humor cluggage fits that perfectly. Um, last year was kind of the right time to try and pick a Walsh and pick that breakout because you know there was definitely the, a lot of moves that could have been made with that. Um, whereas this year I don't think it's quite the year for it. Next one, Jared Berry, 268k mid, should be along with Lockie Neal locked in every single Supercoach side for standard. Uh, I can't speak highly enough, and I've, I've heard even today, like on Twitter, a few boys having a chat today saying, oh, they'll wait and see, and they're going to pass, and, um, yeah, a trap, or, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. But, um, man, he's been in my side straight away, and it's absolutely bullshit for anyone to actually second question it. Um, yes, preseason can change things. If he doesn't perform, then that obviously data changes it. But he's fit. He came back with the younger players to do the fitness as well. He is extremely fit. Um, he is strong. And he has a pro, uh, proven history to actually score well when he plays. And it doesn't matter if he's inside, outside, because he's he gets the ball on the wing. He gets the ball in the contest. Um, apparently in the match sim, he actually spent had some time on the wing and also had some CBAs. Uh, and that was their um, probables versus possibles. It was like their best best 22 versus you know, the others. And when we have a look at his history, 2020, he averaged 100 over the first 10 rounds. He averaged 106.4 after round two, if you take out the game he got injured in round 16. So here's a guy, 268,000, who can go on runs of 100, right? And the big thing here, and Swizz and I were having a chat about this, is that in that season when he played... I think it was you know, 12 games. I think one of those was injured at the end. He started off with two bad games, had a really good run, got injured at the end there. He had 600s, but they were all 120 or more. So he went. he's had scores of 127, 150, 121, 124, 133, and 141. Half of the games he played were over. When he hit 100, he went straight to 120 plus. So for someone that's that cheap who just had a bad injury last year, couldn't get on the park because, you know, groin and everything else, right? But he's been training, he's been running, he's fit, and he has a, a the recent history of going 120-plus when he plays 50% of the time. It's a no-brainer for me. And he'll do that regardless of if he's got some wing, some middle rotation, he's fit, he works hard. I say that all the time, but for me, it's a no-brainer. At that price point, I think it is extremely low risk because he's going to be heavily owned. And you know he's best 22. He's not going to be missing games. Um, lock it in. Swizz. This is going to be a bit of a, This is my bold prediction about Jared Berry. After round two, he's going to be the most traded out player because I think they're going to let him get back into it. Port Adelaide Essendon, he's probably going to go like a 50, maybe get in a 60 first couple of games, and then that draw really opens up. And you can see it'll be either round three or round four, he'll come out and smash one of those 140, 150 games that he could, he scores, and then he'll just be in that midfield and ready to go. And I can see it just now, people be like, oh, fuck, I've traded Dip Barry down to that rookie because they, you know, they're easier to go um, one of those guys down. And think, oh, well, he's not going to make his break even. And we've seen this before with some players. The best one, and not saying Jared Berry's Nathan Fife, but I remember when Fife was going through this, and I think he was about 300,000. And I think he started the year about 50 or 60 points. And then the next week he went bang, bang, bang. And I can see Berry in that role, um, you know, contested possessions. He'll get that bit of that wing time swapping up with McCluggage um, when McCluggage goes on the ball. And yeah, as we've already spoken, you know, they've got. Uh, Collingwood, North Melbourne, Suns, I think Adelaide and Hawthorne after that. Some really easy games for Barry to rack up at least an 80 average. And, but he, as Ben said, he's got the ability to go high and he's, he's proven it. He's, he's got a high score against Port and Essendon with 120. So uh, Even if he just strings a, couple, strings a couple together, that's yeah. enough for price increase. And I think and, he'll and make 150000 or more. So and that's uh, it's a happen. no-brainer. I don't yeah. know if he'll go as low as you say, Swizz, in the first couple, but you know, he might still go like 80, 80 and you know, 280s and people are like, oh, it's not good enough. And then, you know, maybe Horn or someone's gone a couple of decent games of you know, 80 for both games as well. And they're like, oh, but they're cheaper. So they trade him. I don't know. It's, for me, yeah, I think it's, it's, just go, it's going nice to happen. It's an absolute guarantee. I, he's going to have one of those games, which will be a 50 or 60. Watch it happen. 
and watch everyone trade it out to the rookie that everyone's up and about of. And those who stick with Berry, looking at that Brisbane draw, and he's just going to smash out a couple of games and people are going to be like, shit, those who get Berry, just well done, and got rewarded. I just think he's a very pivotal part of the yeah. Lions. I think they need him. They need him exactly. and McCluggage. It's, yeah. um, I think he's as he's more pivotal pivotal than Hipwood. I think he's, you know, not saying that Hipwood's a great great player, but I'm saying he's really good for the the setup and the matchup of of the Lions. Well, you're, you're moving um, yeah, Berry out to half back, so you can play in Neil Lyons, McCluggage, Berry, and Rayner, uh, because three of those guys are your future. Lyons and Neil can't do this forever. And so somebody's got to make way for them now, and that's why Zorko's moving to halfback. Yeah. Well, he'll be on our little draft sleepers section. Mm-hmm. People saying, what the hell? Ben hasn't spoken about Dane Zorko yet. What's yeah. going on? Uh, it's coming, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, all right, next one. Cam Rayner, 278K forward only. Um, probably get some flexibility as the season opens up. Now, it's an interesting one. So Cam Rayner in the past has suffered what we call the Gresham curse where he'll go, you know, 30, 40, 50 one week and then 100, 110, 120 the next. It's literally ridiculous. And what we're hoping and all the hype has been is that he's going to get some midfield time. So we'll see. Natural progression. Uh, He was drafted similar to, you know, the dusty kind of Petrarca types. And Petrarca, we all knew, took quite a while to develop and even then, he sat around that, what, 80, 85 average for a couple of seasons, two, three years before he actually broke out. So I'm not saying that it's going to happen with Rayner. I'm just saying that I'm watching it because he was tipped to play some more midfield. His previous scoring wasn't really with much midfield rotation, so it's kind of hard to actually use that data to say he'll be a good or bad player because his role's changing, and we all know that role is key. It's role dependent as to how well people score as well as obviously how good they are. So when we have a look at when he did play though, he had, you know, it's like 35, 55, 80, 125, 34, 114. You know, it's this kind of up and down um, trend. So hopefully with some more midfield time, some more midfield rotations that he will actually balance that out and the lows won't be as low and he should be able to then push that ceiling a little bit higher, which is why it's tempting. Um, you know, someone that's priced 278K, you look at those around at Cornelio, um, Gresham, you look at Kurnow, so there's a few different, you know, options there. And this year, more than anything, I think, considering how good that those, you know, Zebul and stuff were last year, people are probably going to be more tendence or have a tendency to actually pick more of these players this year because it, it worked out last year. There were so many players, you know, like Zebul, we didn't, we were like, oh, he's good for an 85 plus and then averages like 107, you know, or whatever, 100 and whatever it was, 100 plus. Um, you know, Impy went absolutely massively and made us a lot of money and scored well and then we could trade him out at, at a good price. So they worked out so many and it's only the Dows of the world, the people that had Paddy Dow that are probably a little skeptical of every single person at this price point between two hundred to three hundred thousand, still kind of looking over their shoulder because they know what can happen. And it could happen with quite a lot of these players. Swizz, what do you think? Yeah, exactly. The thing with Rainer's favorite, number one pick. Uh so yeah, there's a reason why he went number one. All class about him. And if you said, you know, Petrarca, Dusty, you go back further, Dangerfield, they all started like this, all the, t- the top high, high pick guys, you know, learnt their craft up the forward line, and then when it was time, they started making the move into the midfield, and then it became the full-time midfielder. And, you know, we might not see it as well as those guys, and we might not, and we're not going to probably see that 100, 110 guy for another two or three seasons, but I can definitely see him getting at least 400,000, 150,000. And it's really just we need that, you know, three or four weeks of decent scoring. And we've Consistency, talked about that. yeah. Yeah, and we talked about that Brisbane run, like, you know, North Melbourne, Collingwood, Suns, I've got Sydney, West Coast, Adelaide, Hawthorne. They're, they're all games behind the bye. Like, even if he spends time up forward, though, you know, Ben will get into him about his um, kicking accuracy for goal. But he can, um, he can definitely get on the end of a couple of them. They're going to spend time in the midfield, get a get a bit of a run in there. He'll get, you know, the, these Brisbane Lions players will be getting 18, 20 possessions just walking on the field in some of those games. So 
to me. How again, has no one told Rainer not to lean back on a set shot? Well, it goes with all of those guys, mate. He like, props and fully leans back and sprays it. Well, Doesn't he, kick mate, through he's, it. He's, he leans he's, back and sprays it. It's a big call, but he's Dangerfield 2.0, mate. Like, Dangerfield's oh, yeah, on the worst set Danger shots does for, lean for back. Yeah. Like, he does and that. It's just, I don't know, maybe he was watching him growing up. He's, you know... From that, it's almost from like that when you when you kick it so, training, yeah. when you kick it training and you're mucking around, you kind of like here you go, you line up and then you just you just lean back casually, and you know get it or miss it. Yeah. So, so I say I say more in general play. Hopefully they give him yeah. a couple of handballs on the run and he can slot a couple through. But yeah, there'll be points. It's, it's taking a, the standing start chip pass where you kind of like standing there and then you sort of just lean back to kind of up and over. Anyway, there's a reason why we called him Sprainer. Um, hopefully he's improved his kicking. So um, for me, look, I've, I've, I've had him in my side. I've probably still got him in my side. I'm watching him. I am skeptical. You know, I like him, but at the same time, it's one of those things where you have to use your head, not your heart. And I, the role's there. He's training well. Apparently Fagan has had his eyes closed sometimes because – yeah, he's trained. They held him back before Christmas, and he's just been going after it, doing everything, training uninhibited, um, unrestricted. With the knee, looks good. Doing things where they're kind of you know like Fagan's got his you know hand over his eyes or um, you know fist in his mouth or whatever, hoping he doesn't get damaged or injured. And Rainer's just doing Rainer, and you know yes, he might get injured again, but he is not showing any signs of having the injury from all accounts, and he has the role. So when you look at those two things, he's cheap, and we could all use a bit of a discount in our lives. So that's why he's in definite consideration there. Next one, um, Zach Bailey. We kind of spoken about briefly, 459K, definitely someone who could be on the rise as far as pricing um, on and average. So he's you know someone that you'd have to pick for a genuine breakout, not sure if he's there because with the new rule changes and the position changes, I can't see him getting to 100-plus. So for me, it's probably more of a, an, an increase in average, probably more draft relevance. He did uh, well, average 88 for the last 17 rounds. He has some very good scores and some very bad scores. Uh, still be used partly through the you know, center bounce in times in stoppages. But he's very, very accurate and impactful in front of the goals. So he's he's gone well with uh, multiple hundreds and you know, 120, 133. But he also has some low scores when he doesn't have the impact, you know, the 61s, 49, 49, et cetera, which kind of does bring down your average. So, Swizz, what do you think about Bailey Smith? Do you think he has any real potential for, for standard or just one of those draft players that you should, you should expect like a 90-plus from this year? I think you just couldn't Bailey Smith, but Zach Bailey. Uh, Zach yeah. Bailey. Oh, my God, Bailey Smith. I love watching this guy play. Like, he's genuinely one of my favourite Brisbane players already. Yeah, just... Um, yeah, love the way he goes about it. Definitely going to improve, as you said. Young fella, really got that half-forward wing role sewn up. Likes to get forward and kick a goal. There's, there was that game where he kicked four goals with that. He was just, he looks Don't fantastic. forget Collingwood after the siren. Yes, that too. So, yeah, let's just remind that for Chris and all the other play supporters out there. So, you know, I'm a, a big fan of him, but he's not, I don't think he's going to be one of those super coach. Like his game is based for super coach, but I don't know if he'll ever be one of those super coach relevant guys because I feel like he's going to get that full time wing role at some point. And but he's never going to, unless they bring in a proper wing position, he's always going to be that midfielder who's going to be maybe 100, 105, never a premium midfielder. Perfect one if you've got your keepers leagues, absolutely jump on, especially your standard draft for this year. The fact he's forward listed, the only problem is because he's got that sort of style of game where you do like watching him, other people will jump on him in the league. So it's kind of the guy that may go a little bit earlier than what you want. So I don't see the as much value there, but he still should, you know, improve his output by that five, six, seven points um, just through natural development. But if you if you if you like watching the players who why you're um if you're a super coach who likes watching the games and you want to tune in for Brisbane games, yeah, I I love watching this guy play. Yeah. That's why, I've, you know, that's why I like McCray and Bodzapelli. Just like to watch them play. They're so delightful. Uh, all right, let's move on to the draft sleepers. So this will be a little bit more streamlined. Dane Zorko, um, love him. Got nothing but respect for him. I think he's absolutely critical for the Lions. Rumored to be playing more halfback. Whether that's his training halfback flank and then going to be doing a little bit there with some pinch hitting in the middle, I'm not too sure because 
if things aren't working in the forward line, first thing I would do is throw Dane Zorko in the forward line. If things are, are breaking down in the midfield and you need a little bit more dynamic and these young guys aren't doing it, because we all know if things don't work, they'll change it. Right? Then the Lions, I think, tried some stuff at the start of last year and then changed it and went back to a different way. So if things are broken down, then one of the first things would be Dane Zorko get back in that midfield. For me, or get up the forward line. We need some, you know, we need more pressure. We need some more goals. These guys aren't doing it. So Zorko, you get up there. Um, so for me, I think it's just one of those things. But the benefit is, as a draft sleeper, because you could pick him up, and if he does play back flank, six weeks time he gets to the defender status. I mean, that's you, know, you should be picking him up, up slightly earlier, just in case. But even still, he'll still score you well as a midfielder, Swizz. Yeah, I don't, I don't see people going early on him. Switching price in Supercoach 5, 595. So he's up there with the real premium boys. Um, yeah, not for yeah, so standard, it, don't, don't it, start him. He is that guy in draft where it, you're rolling the dice. And that if you think or if you've seen in that preseason, it all actually comes down to when your draft day is. If you see that first preseason game and he's just playing halfback flank, somebody in that league is going to go, yep, I'm, taking, I'm rolling the dice. I'm taking him early because he could be the – in, you know, in the top three defenders, and if you have that in the you know the fourth, fifth, sixth round, that you're happy to pay it because you're like, oh, all of a sudden, you know, my D two might be, you know, top three, top four in the league. But if it doesn't pay off, yeah, then you're you know you could be in a bit of trouble, and that because you've obviously overpaid for someone like that. Um, but yeah, so it's just yeah. like everything; it's a, a risk and risk reward. And it Hopefully. also depends on who's available when you pick him. Because if, say, Ridley's yeah. available in defence, then there's no point in picking a Zorko in the hope that he becomes a defender when you can actually get a defender already, and then hope he's available when he comes back through. Yeah. The issue is that you know Zorko did average quite well for the year, so he's going to go fairly early, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So it's just one of those things where you you just need to. If you get him, hope he gets a defender status and hope he keeps scoring really well. I'd like to have but him. Your, your obviously. perfect world is his first six weeks plays all half back, and uh, he gets the DPP injury or something. An, and then there's an injury, and then he has to go back and play in the midfield. And now you've got a defender who's playing in the midfield. That, that's yeah, the that'd perfect be nice. case scenario. So I think Josh Kelly happened last year in fantasy. Yeah. Got forward status, motherfuckers. Yeah. Because, yeah, play oh. for six weeks up forward and that. Because yeah, and then Cameron's I get rid of him idiot. and bang, away he and goes. Then, yeah, Josh exactly. Yeah, so he has to be with his little gift sure. right now. Um, all right, let's move on. Um, Kitty Coleman, uh, he's uh, on the watch list, probably for more of the larger draft leagues. 263K, I know some are very interested in standard um, based. Yeah, apparently he's playing in the back line as well. He did move there at the end of last year. So there is some scope or some people that believe that he'll do well. For me... I, he could do okay. He could go 80-plus, but I think his role could still definitely switch between defense and forward line, and that is not always the most um, beneficial for super coach scoring. Swizz. Yeah, I knew he was going to laugh at you, Ben, and say, we've got to keep this podcast under three hours if we're going to just name any Brisbane player. But then oh, I'll come on now. Hey, but I'm then, but, talking but, but, to but other people to, that actually have some... Just before we got on, I was scrolling through some of my groups, and I, he was appearing in quite a few sides, which was... Very interesting in that. So, thank you. Um, I don't know. It's just because he's got the dual position status already. Um, I think he's defender forward. If you can confirm that with me, there, Benny Boy. Yeah, no, he's defender forward. forward. And so, um, again, like I've been, I've been hearing a few, a few as well. So I think it's you know like Zach who finished really high last year. Might have even got one of the jackets. Uh, he's been big on him. He's a big Lions fan as well. I think. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but. Yeah, look, I think it's it's just one of those things where I wanted to mention it. Uh, I haven't got him in standard, but I wouldn't be surprised if he started out really well and tempted some people in. Anyway, one of, one we'll of those on. ones, again, when your draft league's going and also watching that preseason game, unfortunately it's just one game and hopefully they get a proper hit out um, in an intra club or maybe organise something against the Suns because it'll be good to watch two or three games in his role um, because, yeah, it could be one of those real smokies. Yeah, more. More data is key. We didn't get much at all last year. Uh, Harris Andrews is the next one. Um, draft sort of sleeper. You know, he's one of those ones that just goes about his business. I think he averaged up mid-90s, so he'll probably still go fairly high. Uh, but again, don't forget he did average, what, 88, 82, 87, and then 95 the last four years. So he has the potential to keep that 90 average. But there's also risk involved because he, he could become more accountable. So it's one of those ones where... Um, 
I don't mind it sort of sliding a little bit. I probably wouldn't be picking him up around that sort of high 90 average. I'd probably, if I can get him a little bit later, then I wouldn't mind it around that sort of 90 flat. Um, yeah, and that's pretty much it for me, Swizz. Yeah, I, like, I really like ARS Anchors as well. I have one of those uh, when you, a couple of people have had me involved before doing like uh, mock, mock drafts of if you, you know, you're starting up an AFL side. And I pick Harris Andrews early because I just rate him so high as a player. But for whatever reason, um, he's not liked by a lot of the, you know, um, just the footy community. So you actually see that in draft leagues um, that people won't take him because they don't like watching him for whatever reason. I, I don't get it because I think he's well, a great intercept mark. It's just boring footy, just intercept, yeah. intercept marks, no yeah, real flair, right. just so kind of chips it away. Hits a, he hits a target, doesn't mouth yeah, off. People, he's just, yeah. people, people let, um, let their biases you know, overtake when they're selecting sometimes. And, and they also look the fact that he's a key defender, um, but he's more in that sort of rancy scarlet mold where, you know, he takes intercept marks and then he dishes off. So, yeah, I think he's a, he's a solid pick. But, yeah, as Ben said, I wouldn't be trying to pick him at the 90 mark. If he's still there at 85 sort of average, yeah, jump on. Well, I heard uh, Jeremy Cameron doesn't really like him, but Harris just has to take that on the chin and move on. <laughs> we'll move on. <laughs> Uh, okay, let's move on. Uh, Burn Man for me is uh, Ryan Lester. That's so harsh because I love Ryan Lester and I think he's a great player. But out of everyone, I'm like, who can burn you this year? And for me, Ryan Lester's probably the most vulnerable player in his position. And it's crazy because he does his role week in and week out. But there's so many young people trying to knock down the door and I can't really find a spot for any of them. Um, yeah, so like Lester, Robbo probably keeps doing his pressure business and Lester is an awesome player who can play on Mason Cox or do his role in various areas. So it's a really harsh statement, but I can't really make room for many people, unfortunately, no, well, and I'll, I hope to be proven I'll, wrong. I'll go a proper burn man, mate, and I'm going Joey oh. Danaher. Uh, he, uh, there's no way he's doing what he did la- last year again. He's, you know, we've... Unless this Brisbane medical team are just miracle workers, uh, they, we've seen his injury history in the past. He's, uh, you know, we've hit wood out again. He, he's taken on on that load, and I just can't see him, you know, backing it up and playing as many games as he did last season. Credit to him, fantastic first year at the Lions, but I just don't see it happening again. Actually, it's funny because I think the last couple of years during it, we've recorded a podcast and then by the time we've actually released it, someone's been injured and that's happened the last couple of years. So it could just be this podcast. Um, hopefully not Touchwood. Um, anyway, maybe maybe on a Richmond podcast. Eh? There's, a few, uh, no, no, no. There's a few Essendon supporters really happy with me saying that right now. So, yeah. Yeah. But... I know. How do, how do I get Ryan Lester and I, I ignore some of the actual flogs? Anyway, um, rookies, there's not too many to talk about here. Uh, Eli Smith spoken about... Last year and this year, uh, apparently was a standout last preseason, which is why everyone got really excited, then got injured, I think, during the preseason game, syndesmosis or something or other, then couldn't really get back on the park. He has said he's ready to put a frustrating year behind him. Spoken about again, he's probably the only one, him and the person we'll speak about next, the only ones I could see probably breaking into this side. And again, it's kind of like for who or for whom. It's um, injury possibly might... Be it you know, if Lester's out, then maybe someone else can sort of take that role or, or whatever have you. But it's a hard one to, to, to do. And even then, the role isn't that secure. So even if, say, Eli Smith plays round one, I'm, I'm liking it because I'm thinking he's got talent and I'll put him in the side. But I'm not going to sleep easy over it because he could easily have a bad game and out you get because you know we're a winning side and you're not winning us games. Um, he looks good. He passes the eye test. He is strong. He's definitely been improving, and he was drafted as a midfielder, and he's been working on his outside game as well, working because they were trying to push him, you know, get him to do some wing and some forward flank and, and to change up his roles because we all know, you know, well, Keys couldn't get a gig in the midfield in the Lions, couldn't actually translate or transition into any other position. So they delisted him, and next minute he, there's a role for him as a midfielder in Adelaide, and look how well he goes. So it's all about... You know, the role that you get, and I think he's adapting to it. And for me, Eli Smith is probably the only one that could probably break into the side, as well as Blake Coleman, who's 123k forward, has that X factor, uh, was a 2020 draftee, I think nearly played last year. Like he was doing really well in the in the seconds, dynamic kind of X factor sort of player. And um, yeah, I don't know, Swiss, what do you think about just those two? Yeah, Eli Smith's got Will Gould written all over him again, doesn't he? He just. The, the big preseason hype, we, we, we just think he's surely going to get it, get in and get a gig. 
I think it's more fantasy hype this time yeah. around. I think yeah, it's well, just a it. mellow, mellow yeah. hype in the club and it's everyone else looking for yeah. bargains that are hyping him up like me. And I think you're right with either him or Coleman, um, even if Walmart and they wanted to play Zorko forward first week and give him a go. The, the situation is if you were to lose to Port Adelaide or Essendon, they're straight out the door. You kind of want them coming in with that soft run so they can get five, six, seven games where weaker opponents and, yeah, and just stay in and work, work into their footy. And there's no guarantees they'll have good games in them. But, you know, it's amazing. Like, your, your team wins by 10 goals. Yeah, a couple of those rookies have poor games. But, you know, you're like, oh, well, we can keep them in where, yeah, the moment you have that loss or like the Lions last year, that one and three start, if you guys were to somehow, you know, start like that again, yeah, these guys, that might be their only opportunity to get in. So, yeah, I, I, I think Brisbane... More on the mid prices, but their rookie watch. Uh, you, you're just waiting for injuries to happen, and then you know, if say Charlie Cameron or someone like that went down, yeah, definitely, you know, Coleman or Smith uh, will be next in line. But until that sort of happens, and that Brisbane have plenty of options, and unfortunately, uh, from a fantasy point of view, they're um, right in that premiership window, so not the uh, best team for the rookies. Yep, pretty much the only value that you're really looking at would be Neil Berry. And um, probably Eli if he does get a gig. So, but that's it. Very I think enough. that wraps us up. Swizz, thank you very much for listening to me gloat and talk about my boys. We'll make sure you get free reign on the uh, on the Richmond podcast. Oh mate, no, not a problem. Happy to talk the Lions. One of the better teams to watch. So, yeah, no, I could, I could listen to you talk the Lions for a while. It's the uh, podcast in two in two well two podcast time. I'm more worried about when I have to fucking listen to Chris talk about the pies. That's going to be yeah. down the, the blackboard. You mean the McRae Jr. show? Oh, yeah, I can't That's... wait for that one. And also um, Carlton as well. Uh, stick around. Make sure you aren't too sensitive for that one because I think Chris is just teeing off already as we speak, biting at the tooth, just ready to rip into Carlton and their mediocrity, as he calls it, not me. I actually have some high hopes for Carlton this year. Paddy Cripps. Number one, Paddy Cripps in my side and Rao. Well, if it. you wanted an outlandish statement, wait until you get the Blues podcast, mate, because I've got one coming. <laughs> anyway, that's it. Until next time, we'll probably um, get together at the end of the week once Chris becomes available, stops babysitting and out of quarantining, unless he gets COVID in the meantime, which is possible. He'll probably be in for another seven days. So we'll see how that goes, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Bye. The C is for the courage I possess through the drama. H is for the hurt, but it's all for the honor. A is for my attitude, working through the patience. Money comes and goes, so the M is for motivation. Gotta stay consistent, the P is to persevere. The I is for integrity, innovative career. The O is optimistic, open and never shut. And the N is necessary, cause I'm never giving up. See, they ask me how I did it, I just did it from the heart. Crushing the competition, been doing it from the start. They say that every champion is all about his principles. Carry. 